I hope you didn't come for a religious service because you will not get one from me. Religion belongs to the devil. Come on, somebody. I'm excited to be here. It was so disappointing when they shut off South Africa and said you couldn't travel. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like my home away from home. I've been coming for like 25 years, and they should give me dual citizenship. After 25 years, I've actually become an American-African. Come on, somebody. Well, even if you don't agree, I am. I identify. <laughs> huh. My sincere thank you and honor to Pastor Gustav and his daughters and the leadership and the church. This man has uh, just been talking to a lot of people and saying such wonderful, nice things. So nice and wonderful that I keep looking around waiting for someone nice to walk in. I'm like, what are you talking about? So, you know, the Bible says, let another man's lips praise you. So, Pastor Gustav, keep on going because I don't think nobody else is. I appreciate it. But it's good to be here. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian Adams. I'm from Ohio in the United States. My lovely wife, Karen, uh, couldn't be with me because she doesn't think people are supposed to be on planes for that long as it takes to get here. That's her revelation. So she's staying home with the grandkids. But we have four children, 13 grandchildren, and we are loving it, man. Come on. Mm. My wife and I are in severe competition with trying to make the grandkids love us. She does free cookies and hugs, and I have to spend expensive money on Amazon. So I don't know why that works that way, but I like spoiling my grandkids. My children came to me and said, we're jealous. You didn't treat us that good. And I said, I didn't like you guys. <laughs> How many parents know what I'm talking about? Come on. <laughs> I'm calmer. I'm older. My bills are paid. I got more money to spend. Amen. I've learned how to hide it from her. Glory to God. This is a very important summer for me because I'm uh, celebrating 38 years drug and alcohol free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. My Lord, I'm loving that. I can take no credit for that. He just zapped me. Remember, the devil will always use somebody close to you to hurt you. People tell me, say, I don't believe. I was so close to them. Where's my husband? Where's my wife? I'm like, do you really think he's going to use a, a telemarketer from China? Come on. They got to get in. You got, they got to be trusted by you, and they gotta put, you, you're going to put your walls down. But see, the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spirits of heavenly places. But here's what we don't understand. You're so busy looking at what you see, you forgot there's a warfare in the invisible realm that's fueling or making people do things. People are puppets, and the devil is the puppet master. And because Jesus knew this, he was able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're only a puppet. That's the Brian Ams translation. Now, I'm the youngest of the family of five, the baby. And when I was growing up, my, 14, my sister, who's 14 months older than me, she had to babysit me after a certain age, and the folks would be gone, my stepdad and my mother, and she was hurt. Now, pay attention to this, because I hope it's going to bring understanding to you. Hurt people hurt people. Abuse people abuse people. But before you get too you know, upset, healed people heal people. 
That's why we got to allow ourselves to come to a place where we are healed. Because you might be in ministry, but if you haven't been healed, you could be saying the right words. I used to say all the right words, but my wife would come to me and say, Brian, it's not what you're saying, it's how you said it. Your tone, your sharpness, the disrespect that could be heard in, in your tone because you're aggravated because they haven't got as far as you've got and they're, they're taking more time. You've got to become a mature person in Christ. I'm finally learning, glory to God, <laughs> between the Lord and my wife working on me. I'm finally learning that when you become mature in Christ, you begin to look for the worth in your enemy, not the worst. And then you begin to not look at the arrows they're throwing at you and the words they're saying and they're stealing from you, but you got to look, God, give me the leadership strategy and the ability to win them to you. I'll give you an example. There was a young man came to me. He was an electrician. This is in America. And nobody trusted him because he couldn't be trusted. <laughs> if he was breathing, he was lying. One man said, I don't believe you're saying that about him. I said, why? He said, brother, the truth is in that man. I said, is that right? He goes, it's got to be because it's never come out. <laughs> so the man came home me and he pulled on my mercy because I was a minister. He said, look, I'm an electrician. I've got this job offer, but I can't take the job offer because I don't have a car. He said, I really need a truck. Can you help me get a small truck? I said, okay, I'll help you, man. And I'm just like, I believe my faith is strong enough, and I'll love him enough that I'm going to believe for change. So I, I bought him a vehicle. I put it in his name because I didn't want it in my name in case he wrecked it, and then it would be my liability. So I said, here's the payment we'll set up each month you come to me. I didn't see that brother for six months. And if I did see him, he'd drive by and he'd just smile. And all of a sudden I realized that the resurrection power of God was resurrecting something I didn't want resurrected. It was resurrecting the old man in me. Because I wanted to lay hands on him. Closed hands. I wanted to put my hands around his throat. I'm going to repossess that vehicle. Or I'm going to cut the tires. But you've messed with the wrong person. Don't you know I used to be a drug dealer, a drug addict? I'm from the street. I'm not afraid to hurt you. Then later heal you. I was trying to keep a balance. Come on, somebody. And so I was going to call him. And tell him, I'm coming to get the vehicle, leave the keys in it, and you better be somewhere else because I'm really mad. You know, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, after you heard him, take the vehicle. Are you going to invite him to church next? Mm. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. He said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to call him and ask him to forgive you for your attitude, and you've been mad at him. I said, wait a minute, Jesus, he ripped me off. And we try to justify our emotions. He said, no, you're going to apologize, say, please forgive me because I've not acted Christ-like and I've been mad at you no matter what you've done. See, no matter what somebody does to you, it doesn't justify a sinful response. Write that down. I'm messing with some friends over here. But some of you need to write that down. No matter what somebody does to you, doesn't justify a sinful response. So, and then the Lord said, not only are you going to ask him to forgive you, but then you're going to tell him that I said, don't tell him you said to make you look good, tell him that I 
God said, I love you. You no longer owe anything for that car and it, this truck, and now it's a gift to you. And I'm like, <clears throat> yes, sir. <laughs> so I called him up, and, and to the best of my ability, I got it out, and I prayed my tone was right. And, and uh, I forgave, asked him to forgive me, and he didn't say nothing. And I said, you no longer owe, and this vehicle belongs, belongs to you. It is now a gift. And, and, I, and he said nothing, so I said, God loves you. I didn't mention that I did. <laughs> I just thought of that. I probably should call him back. I said, God loves you. And I hung up. And I walked away and I thought, why was that so hard? Because I felt I'd been disrespected. And see, pride will make you think that you deserve for people to treat you the way that you've decided you need to be treated. But boy, they sure didn't treat Jesus the way he deserved, did they? The night that Judas betrayed him, he washed his feet. And I'm sure he looked in his eyes and said, I love you, because he was love. And so after I hung up on the phone, the Lord said, do you know what you just did? I said, I, I just obeyed you, and, and let me stop the bleeding before we continue this conversation, because I'm hurting. He said, son, you had been ripped off. The devil stole from you, but I just taught you to take charge of the situation now you've not been stolen from. Now you've sowed a seed. And the minute he explained that, I said, whoa, yes, I did, didn't I? Glory to God. And I'm like, I'm healed. I feel better. I'm truly a man of God because I just sowed a vehicle. Thank you, Jesus. It felt better. I guess it's how you look at stuff. Two weeks later, I'm walking out of my church. A couple pulls up with this beautiful pearl white Cadillac with leather seats, heated, all that stuff, in the truck. And there's a husband and wife. I said, "It's Tuesday. What are you guys doing here?" This is not. My, I figured you'd be at work. And they said, "Oh, we got off." And I said, "What can I do for you?" And the wife looks at me. And she looks at him, smiles. She said, "God told us to give you this Cadillac." And I looked at him. I said, "You have heard from the Lord." <laughs> Come on. You can be as religious and poor as you want. I've tried being the gospel poor, but it don't work. I can't travel very far. I can't help nobody. Come on. So you know, if you, you want to be religiously poor and take a vow of silence, you go ahead. It's not biblical, any of it. And so I got in the vehicle, and I'm driving it to have them sign it over to me. And as I'm driving, the Holy Spirit spoke, said, that was a quick harvest, wasn't it? I said, oh, oh. A God-commanded seed sown will be sown in a soil that God knows it will grow in. So the Bible says God gives seed to the soil, but he also gives soil for you to sow in. So when he first said that to me, I'm like, well, you know, Lord, I really don't think his soil is uh, very good. But he could see what I couldn't see. That young man's running from his purpose. And he's running far and he's running fast. But God said, you think you're going to get far away from me, but I've given you a vehicle that you can drive back to me. A couple of weeks later, I came back from a trip where I'd been down in Texas because I live in Ohio. And I come walk into the church on the church today. And I walk in and I go into the office, talk to my wife and son and a few people. I said, it's time for church. Let's go. Walked out and started getting in worship. I turned around and there was this young man. 
sitting in the church. Because he only understood how to try to survive. He didn't know the language of love. Because I'm going to tell you, when you need love, then someone says, I love you, that's really not good enough. Don't, please don't be offended at me. Because I'm just telling you how it feels. Because we all want to be loved. But, and you know, the Bible says prophecy is the best uh, gift, but not when you're hungry. The gift of giving is. When you're in pain, prophecy is not the best prophecy, but the gift of healing is. So we need to learn to love and to discern and see what people need. And we need to learn to become the, the answer to people's prayers. When Moses stood before the fiery furnace, fiery furnace, sorry, correction, edit that out, <laughs> from the, the bush that was burning, as he stood before there, God said, I heard the cries and the prayers of my people. And all of a sudden I realized it's the prayers of the saints that create the vision that God gives to the deliverer and that builds the church, that builds the house. So when you have worship, as much as I enjoyed this worship, they brought the glory. And in the glory, there's a hidden message. And in the hidden message is the answer to people's prayers. And you begin to talk about what the people really need to hear, even though I've got a very, very powerful message right here. It must have been for me. Hey, preachers need the word too. I'm glad to see the musicians still in the house. A lot of times musicians will play music, then they'll go sit and drink coffee, and they go, say, you need the word. I'm just going to throw that in. I'm not going to charge you for it. Ushers, you need the word. Sunday school teachers, you need the word. Deacons and elders, you need the word. And when God seriously begins to talk to you, some of you are going to be really surprised when he doesn't acknowledge your apostleship or your prophetessness. The devil calls me Brian. Come on, somebody. And when Jesus, when I got saved, he called me Brian. He didn't call me by Dr. Brian. He didn't call me by apostle or evangelist. He called me Brian. When your gifting becomes your identity, you separate from the wisdom of heaven. And you begin to have your ministry, and I call it a my ministry devil. And you try to promote yourself instead of promoting Jesus. If you're preaching your vision and your ministry more than you're preaching the cross, you've disconnected from heaven. Because my ministry is not going to set you free. It's the cross that's going to set you free. We need to get back to the old rugged cross. And, and we don't need to see how far we can get from it, but we need to take up our cross and follow Christ daily. We got so much crazy revelation out there. I've listened to preachers. I've been like, well, that's some crazy revelation, but where's the application in my life? If the word that preached doesn't make you have a better marriage, become a better husband, a better father, a better son or daughter, then I really question, does it truly come from heaven? Because Jesus wants to see restoring, that's the Father's will through him, of what it was before mankind fell. He wants you forgiven. He wants you healed. He wants you happy. I was enjoying talking to the staff at the bed and breakfast where I, I, I work at. The girl came down. She goes, oh, there's a lot of new people there. She said, these people are like, I don't believe 
this guy's a pastor. They said, why? They said, he's too nice. <laughs> Isn't that a shame? They said he sits and eats with us and talks with us, jokes with us, tips us. She said, the girls argue and fight over who gets to clean your room because they know you tip big. And the girl looked at me and she goes, how do you afford to do that? I said, it's easy to give away something when it's not yours. I'm not taking it home because if I take it home, it's going to end up at the shopping center. Come on, somebody. My wife's got an addiction called shopping. But the Lord told me, he said, I want you to invest in Africa. And I knew he just didn't need my time and my hugs, but he was talking about just begin to sow financial seed into people's life and tell them that I love them. Because just word with no deed is a loveless expression. Come on, somebody. We need to become instruments. We need to humble ourselves. See, I couldn't be a global minister if I couldn't hug a black person or a colored person or a Chinese person. I love all the different languages and ethnicities and all this stuff. I Because the Bible says God created man in his image. So when I look at this brother right here, I'm like, man, you look like Jesus. Dude, Jesus is good looking. Come on. Yeah. He said, yeah, real because he's hoping I go to him next. <laughs> <laughs> When I got off the plane in England, I thought an Iranian, because I was working with the underground Iranian church, I was expecting an Iranian guy to come pick me up. And all of a sudden, I get this text. There's a picture of a Chinese guy. I'm like, why am I getting a picture of a Chinese guy? Is this spam or what? <laughs> then comes the text says, oh, my name is Pastor Daddy. I come to pick you up. I'm like, well, what happened to the Iranian guy? And he comes and he hugs me and acts like he's known me all his life. Next three days, I got rescheduled from the Iranian church to the Chinese church. And I said, Jesus, this is so much fun. You know why it was so much fun? Because I met all these new people. I couldn't even speak their language. They couldn't speak my language. But I looked at them and smiled, and they felt the love. And we, and, and we, we smiled, communicated. Like, how are you? Hey, fine. Very fine. And the more you squint your eyes, the more you love. Oh, yes. Oh, come on, you, you religious things, you. Jesus is laughing at some of you. Because he said, I, I asked you to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and you act like you're baptized in, in uh, lemon juice. Come on. <laughs> I got kids looking at their parents. Are we allowed to laugh in church? You've always elbowed us and told us to be quiet. Tonight, kids, it's on the house. Papa's in charge. <laughs> and the lady said, the girl, the worshiper said, when he comes upstairs, no matter what's happening, the atmosphere changes to the good. I said, really? They said that about me? I don't notice it because I'm just always happy. One time someone said, why are you so happy? And I said, thank you for asking then I look at him and grin and say, because I'm not going to hell. Come on, somebody. Have you forgotten that you've been washed by the blood? That a man died for you and this is not a social club? 
I watch people in worship. Sometimes I'll stand in the back of my church and I'll see a song come up. It'll be powerful, praising the Lord. And some people just like, oh, I don't like that one. And then they'll come to me after, you know, number two song, I really didn't like it. I said, hey, honey, it wasn't for you. This isn't entertainment. This is worship to the king. And his spirit led us to do that. I know that our praise team hears from the spirit of God because when they worshiped him, the presence came. You see, the presence will come where he's celebrated, not where he's tolerated. Mm-mm-mm. If you're telling me that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside you, then why is it something supernatural happening through you or around you? Woo! Why aren't you stopping when you see someone limping? And why aren't you, when someone's going crazy, won't you say, come out of them now, devil? Yes. <laughs> I'll take young ministers sometime to travel with me, and they say, I'll say, have you ever cast out a devil? No. I was like, <laughs> gee, wait. Then we'll get a prayer line, and the demon, ha, ah, ah. ha. I'm like, come here, take care of this, okay? And I'll walk away, and they'll be like, ha, ah, ah. Some of you have read about it, but you've never done it. How can you truly represent him when you don't truly know him? A guy that was fixed to me some day one time, he goes, oh, I, I, I know Jesus. And I, said, and I could tell he didn't. I said, so does the devil. I said, but at least the devil trembles. You're not, you're not afraid of him at all. And we need to get a fear of the Lord back into our life. Not that he's going to strike us with lightning, but an offerance and a rest where we say, I don't want to sin against you. I don't want to grieve you. Someone asked me, you travel all the time and all over the country. How do you and your wife have a good relationship? And I said, we have a good relationship because I travel over the world and I'm not there to, to mess it up. Come on, somebody. That's how it works. But we have an agreement. And this is agreement. I looked at that wonderful woman of mine. I said, you go wherever you want. Spend whatever you want. Do whatever you want. As long as you don't sin against God, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you be happy and healthy and fulfill whatever goals God gives you. And she gives the same thing to me. So we know we can lie to one another, but you can't lie to him. And I'm sorry, Lord, that it's taken me this long to finally try to get together to where you can trust me. But one of the first places he had to begin to trust me was with the supernatural. And the supernatural, first thing in the supernatural is faith. It takes faith to tithe. But most people want to try to say it's Old Testament. You haven't read your Bible then. It's ten places in the New Testament. Tithe means tenth. What a coincidence that it would be there ten times. Then the second thing that people have trouble with, they have trouble with talking in tongues. They say, I'm charismatic, I'm full gospel, but they've never talked in tongues a day. And a lady said, I refuse to talk in a language. I don't know what I'm saying. I said, honey, I've known you for 20 years, and nobody knows what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's what we're doing. Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Come, to, come live inside me. Yeah. Oh, oh. Now you're in there, you're not allowed to talk. <laughs> the Jewish people put you in a box, now I'm putting you in a box. 
You can't do tongues, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I just want you there for goosebumps. That's all you're allowed to do. Ooh. Oh, it got quiet in this Episcopalian house. Come on, somebody. I never understood why weird people get saved and then want to act like they're not weird. Oh, there was a day when you was in the disco, baby. You would dance for the devil. I was watching the dance team. I was ready. Come on. Lord, just don't let my back go out. I'll dance too. And I looked around, people like, hmm, <laughs> hallelujah. What's up? We come into his presence. He's the great I am, not the great I was. We need to put some spiritual fibrillators. You know, when a person has a heart attack, they take them things to shock them. We need some spiritual shockers, some fibrillators. We need to be shocked back into the glory of God. We need to return to the first love. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Mm. Mm. They give me a microphone so they can record it, but I got such big lungs, I don't need a microphone. Whew. I love to be getting a grocery store, get in the meat section and just go, praise the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. Lord, look at all this meat I presented to you as an offering. People be looking at you like, you're weird. I'm like, yes, but I'm not just any weird. I'm holy weird. No, I'm, I'm very scriptural right now. <laughs> Some of you are like, man, I got to hear this one. Thank you for asking. The Bible says in Corinthians, it says the natural mind of man cannot understand the things of God. To it, it seems weird. King James says foolish. What's the difference? They say, people say, oh, I don't believe you prayed in tongues without interpretation. The Bible said you're not allowed to do that. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible said if you pray in tongues without an interpretation, they'll think you're crazy. You already have made that decision about me. So, you already know I'm crazy. It doesn't say you can't do it. It just doesn't edify you. But a tongue language is a tongue of submission. It's a language you've never cussed in, lied in, seduced in. A pure and holy language to talk to a pure and holy God. Who am I to stand to the creator of the world and say, well, I don't really understand it and it's not very comfortable. We got to quit reading the Bible like a minion. Hmm, I'll take some of that prosperity. I, oh, my back's hurt. I'll take some of that healing. Oh, I don't want that tongue. Oh, that tongue or that tithe. I don't want that. <laughs> Jesus must become Lord of everything or he's not Lord at all. Men, release your wife to be holy weird. Oh, that was quiet. Keep them cards and letters coming. The more closer she is to Christ, the more she'll be taught by the Holy Spirit to honor you. It's just so quiet. Women, you should be shouting amen. Well, there's two amens, Lord, and one, one raised eyebrow. 
if you're listening, we're in Brackenfell. You, you know where that's at, right, Lord? Yes. You've got your own GPS, God's personal system. See, we need to get excited about we need to be free. You must first bring yourself to obedience before you can bring others to obedience. I came over here many years ago, 20-some years ago, with a guy named Ken Green, which was a tent evangelist, and we were in the tent, and I would go around, my first time here, there would be five, it was a 5,000-seater tent, I would go around and I would shake every person's hand in the place. And our first tent was up in a place where they, the, it was a, a vineyard, and so most of the workers got paid in wine, so they half smelled drunk, half of them were drunk, no, I don't think there was probably uh, 12 people of the 5,000 people that had deodorant on. So it was under a hot tent. It smelled bad. The, the, the people, most of them weren't bathed. And I didn't even notice because I was so thankful to God that he gave me an opportunity to meet new people and to love people. And I would go around and shake their hands. And my pockets were bulged out like this in my suit that I had on because I had individual rock candy in there. And for every kid, I would shake their hand and had a piece of candy. Biggest mistake I ever made, because that was the first night. Every night when my vehicle pulled up, here would come a hundred kids. He's here. <laughs> and I'd pull back up and say, we got to run to the store real quick. Because I didn't want to bring disappointment. They didn't understand just to say, Jesus loves you. They were given something they normally weren't given. And that's why Jesus died. So you could have something that you normally haven't got. We need to quit giving history lessons, and we need to present him as the great I am, not the great I was. Mm. He walks with me and he talks with me. He's inside me. My flight back to America will be about, you get on the Delta flight, says, Welcome to Delta's longest flight, 17 and one half hours. And I look to the left and I look to the right and I'm like, man, these poor people that got stuck sitting next to me for 18 hours. Could you imagine? On the way over, a guy looked at me and goes, so what do you do? I said, I'm in distribution. He looked out the window. A little bit later, he said, what do you distribute? I said, what do you need? <laughs> And then when he realized that I was a preacher, he said, oh, you're one of them. I just looked back and said, and you're one of them. <laughs> one of those that I've been sent to love. God so loved the world that he gave his son. God so loved the world he sent his son. Now let me give you the Brian Ams translation. God so loved the world he sowed his son. Come on, give him praise. He did it. He was a father, had one son, and he wanted more sons. And he understands everything is seed time. Every single thing in the Bible is seed time and harvest. I don't care if it's preaching. I don't care if it's healing. You have to sow seeds. They have to be watered. Then a harvest comes. Everything is seed time and harvest. Most Christians don't have a problem always with seed. They don't have a problem with harvest, but they have a problem with time. Because they have a microwave mentality. We want it now. But it's during the time part that patience and character is built. You use faith to get it, but you've got to use trust to not quit while you're waiting on the harvest. 
Yet though you kill me, I will trust you. His name was Job. If you're unemployed, we'll call him Job. <laughs> Lord, I don't know what to eat for Mother's Day, but it's making it hard. Well, I can't get you to laugh, so let's see if I can get you to cry. I'm in America, and I'm coming back from overseas, and I normally only sleep four or five hours is all I need. I've been that way all my life. And so all of a sudden, I find myself a little bit tired toward the end of the day, and I go back to take a power nap. My wife comes in. She wakes me up. She said, I think it's time to get up. I said, what do you mean? I just laid down. She said, you've been asleep for 20 hours. I'm like, you're kidding me. I don't ever remember sleeping 20 hours. She said, yeah. So I got up and uh, didn't feel like eating. I didn't have a headache. Nothing, you know, there was nothing that I could tell. I was just weak. So I went back and laid down for a minute and was watching something on the TV in the back bedroom. And I fell asleep again. Slept another 20 hours. And this weakness just came and crept over me. And I was so tired, I must have just been tired from traveling, that I didn't resist it. And that's where we fail, when we don't resist. Many people are fighting warfare in your life, but the reason you're not victorious is because you haven't done the first part of the Scripture. And the first part of the Scripture is submit to God, then resist the devil. You're trying to resist him, but you haven't submitted to God. You haven't tithed, you haven't loved, you haven't obeyed, you haven't attended church. Many people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I'm like, you don't know what being a Christian is. Christian means to be Christ-like. He, some people say, well, I can show you a scripture where they went from house to house breaking bread. Read the first part of the scripture. It said daily they went to the tabernacle. If the Holy Ghost can raise Jesus from the dead, he should be able to raise you from the bed. During the lockdown, during COVID, so many people got uh, found it so easy just to watch online. But most of them, when they watched online, they, they didn't bring the tithes or the offering to the house. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. There's a purpose for that. I'll hear ministers get up and say, God doesn't need your tithes. I'm like, yes, he does. That's how he runs the house. That's how the preacher gets paid. You go to work all week and you want paid. Why do you think the, you want to keep the preacher poor so you can keep him humble? Come on, somebody. I told the people in my church, if you have a problem with my wife driving nice, dressing nice, or living nice, you're in the wrong church. You can leave now. God did not call me to make my wife a slave and a poor person. The Bible says the husband to the wife is like Christ to the church. Christ gave his all for the church. Mm. My wife likes my revelation. She said, you're a man of God. <laughs> but it's taken her years to get that revelation. I know I've told some of you this story, but when I first met my wife, uh, she was playing keyboard, and I came down to visit my, my parents at their church. I was headed to a Bible school somewhere, and I saw her up, and I asked her, I said, who's that girl? And he told me, I said, she married? He goes, no, no. I said, that's all I needed to hear. So at the end of the service, I go walking up, had my swag going, you know? <laughs> 
Is that what you call a swag? When you're young, it's a swag. When you're old, it's a limp. <laughs> I think I'm now into the limp state. I went up to her and I said, hey, what's up? She looked at me. She's a strong personality. She said, what do you want? I said, well, girl, I've come to tell you you can stop praying. She said, stop praying. What do you mean? I said, I'm the answer to your prayers, girl. <laughs> You're laughing at me, but some of you single men are going to try that. You know you are. Even some of you married men are going to try that on your wife tonight. Girl, I heard you praying the other day. Yes, I was. I'm the answer to your prayer. <laughs> well, she didn't have the same revelation that day. <laughs> and it took a while. But you don't get prayers answered without persistence. No. Yeah, you can sit there and look all good looking you want, man, but you know that, that she played hard to get. She wasn't going to dare go out with me until she did a credit check. <laughs> she, she, she worked at a bank. She, does he have a card? Does he read his Bible? Is he a man of God? Is he a seducer? Because lust is blind. And for some reason, women, a lot of women, I know it's nobody here, but it's somebody you probably know. They think they're not complete if they don't have a man. And because you're a woman, you have this mother nurture in you. And I have to teach the women in my church, don't get you a man that needs changed. Because the only anointing you have to change is for diapers. Now, if you're a senior citizen and that man's in depends, well, you go for it, you know. You're going to say, this is a slow crowd, Lord. Good Lord. Watch. Some of you, I can hear it. You think I'm out of order because I'm being funny. You watch the miracles. You watch the altar call. Because it's scientifically proven, if I can get you to laugh, you'll put down your walls. And you begin to receive from me. Because I'm not trying to put this thing out there for you to make you feel like what I'm doing is unattainable. The healings, the miracles that I see in my ministry, if you're born again filled with the Holy Ghost, you can do it too. This isn't just for special. I've heard people say, you either got it or you don't. That's not true. You see, if you got the Holy Spirit, you don't have just one or two gifts. you got access to the entire kingdom. Ooh. But it can't be, bless our foreign no more. We've got to go out here. We've got to get people saved. We've got to recover. We've got to recover. Are you listening to me? We've got to recover from COVID. We've got to have more faith in Christ than fear in COVID. We've got to shake it off. The devil came in globally like a flood and, and messed stuff up. But now we, the body of Christ, we got to say, hey, I'm taking back what the devil told from me. Let this be a year of recovery in the name of Jesus. Tonight, some of you are still breathing slow and hard, and you're weak from where you had COVID. But tonight, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to tell that baggage, get off in the name of Jesus. As I told you, I, about three days, I slept 20 hours, and 
Then I started feeling weak, and then I felt my bronchial tubes in my heart was swollen, and my chest was sticking out. And if I would even put a shirt on it, it hurt it, and I couldn't touch it. My breathing started getting bad. I didn't go for a test, but I know that Mr. C had moved in on me while I was sleeping. Oh, I'm not making fun of it, but, but, but I don't respect it. I don't respect anything of the devil. My sister died from it, so don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. But just because my sister died, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to live in a land of grief. She was 70-some years old. She's born again, and now she's partying. Come on, somebody. Some of you are going to die the second time when you get to heaven and say they laugh like I do. The Bible says God sits in the heavens and he laughs at his enemies till he makes his footstool. So the Spirit of God tonight is sitting on the throne in my heart laughing at your arthritis, your bursitis, your fibromyalgia, your problems, because he's about to make it his footstool. He's about to make it leave. He's about to give you a breakthrough. But you've got to quit being religious and stubborn and sit there. I ain't letting nobody. Oh, stop that. Submit to the Spirit of God. Nobody's going to control me. You're so out of control. Write that down. Man, I was. So I went to my pastor's office, and man, he just gave me the riot act. You did this, you did this, stop this, stop that. I'm like, ooh, ah, ah, ooh, ah, ooh. The Old Testament, they circumcised you some places. In the New Testament, they circumcised your heart. I came walking out. Where's the first day, kid? And someone said, sounds to me like your pastor's a control freak. I said, ain't it cool? I said, I was out of control. I need God in control. You see, I, what, you, what you don't understand, uh, correction is redirection. I'm a licensed pilot for a single-engine plane. And if I'm flying to a, a strip, because I live in the country, there's a lot of airports that don't even have no one there, and you just uh, transmit in the air so that if another plane flying will hear you. But if they have a control tower, you got to call and request permission. And as you're calling, you tell them where you're, where you're at, your coordinates, they'll find you on the radar. There might be another plane coming that you don't know about. And the guy working there, a lot of times, none of them are pilots. And they'll say, uh, 7427, need you to turn direction 192 due to approaching aircraft. Well, I could say, are you seriously going to try to correct me? Do you know how long I've been flying? You don't even got your pilot's license. You see, when you respond like that, it's because you're pride. But he wasn't trying to control me. He was trying to redirect me so that I could get to the right place. When a plane from Columbus, Ohio, flying to Los Angeles, Ohio, on automatic pilot, it was recorded, had to make 5,000 corrections for a three-hour flight to make sure that it landed at the right place. Those of you that will allow yourself to be raised up under correction will arrive at a peaceable fruit of righteousness. I looked at that person. I said, my pastor sure does control me. He's controlled me to writing books, to being on Sid Roth, uh, Daystar, TBN, TCT, traveled the world, hosted television programs for years. I just built a television studio debt-free because he taught me how to do it. Now we're getting ready to broadcast through Uganda and through East Central Africa and then Pakistan, a television station, all this because I listened to his instructions because when I showed up to class, I didn't think I was so good that I should be the instructor. I showed up as a student. 
I've already got Israel planned again the second time this year. I've got uh, West Africa planned, uh, Ivory Coast, and then I've got Nicaragua and Central America planned in December. But if I go home and my pastor calls me and says, you know what, I believe God spoke to me. You need to cancel those trips. I'll say, yes, sir. And I won't say, but I've spent this money. I've done this or that. I know that God's looking out for me. I won't go to Pakistan and them crazy places without a, a, a pastoral cover. I've got the same wife for 30 years. I got the same pastor for 30. Oh, come on, somebody. For 30 years, you can only. Well, we got four people with a clap, Lord. The rest of the people don't believe. They got to go to church and be a hundred pastor. Oh, Jesus, help me. Is there another exit in case I got to run quickly out of here? A plant can only be uprooted and replanted so many times. If you're sitting in a church, let me see that book. You have that book? Let me see that book. Thank you, sir. I'm going to do a quick commercial, okay? I wrote a book called The Power of Forgiveness. If you get offended in my preaching during this message, you can buy a copy of this book, and you too can have the power to forgive me. Are you ready, note-takers? What offends you reveals you. When that person that just presses your buttons and irritates you in the church, the reason they irritate you because God put them in your life to be a mirror so you can see the things that's working in you, that you've, it's called a blind spot, that you, that you think's normal in you, but it's wrong with someone else. Every time I go to God, God, you know that one person started coming? Lord, I, I really need you to work on him. <laughs> and every time I go to the Lord, he would never talk to me about people. He would always change it back to me. And that's when he told me, he goes, I, I sent him here because you haven't been listening to me, and I wanted to see yourself in another temple. One time my wife made me mad. I know there's no husbands in here. Your wife ever makes you mad. That's just my weak spot. And I went to God and said, Father, that woman you gave me, huh, huh, I was pacing. That woman you gave me. And it was quiet for a second, and all of a sudden I heard the Spirit of God say, you mean the one you begged for? I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't remember it that way. Ain't that true? Opposites attract. And then they irritate after a while. When we were dating, now, <laughs> this ain't highlights, this is gray hair, okay? When we were dating, we had the phones that when you dial, it was like, kick, 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 You'd get about five numbers in, you'd dial wrong number, like, oh, daggone, you'd have to start again, kick, 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 kick. No internet, no cell phones, no computers. Only corporations had computers back then. So we'd get on them kick, 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 kick phones. That'd be late. I'm like, look, girl, I, I really got to be going. I, I got to go to work in the morning. She'd be like, you hang up. I'm like, oh, baby, you hang up. <laughs> no, girl, you hang up. No, I'm going to hang up. No, you hang up for, all right, I'll tell you what. I'm going to count to three. We're going to hang up together. One, two, three. I, I knew you wasn't going to hang up. 
Come on, girl. We got to get some sleep. And then she would say, but honey munchkins, I just want to hear you breathe. Now she calls it snoring and she doesn't like it. So, I mean, if you're experienced, it's, love starts at home or ends at home. <laughs> As you grow, you have to change things. You can't demand everybody do what you want them to do. You've got to learn to compromise. You've got to give. They've got to give. Is that not correct? I used to try to, to make her into what I wanted her to be, and the Lord said, why did you fall in love with her? Did you forget? He said, you got to love her. He said, if you're going to love her, you got to release her. you got to let her be who I've created her to be. So here I am laying in the back bedroom with COVID. See, you thought I forgot, but I wasn't on the rabbit trail. You were just getting too serious, and I had to make you laugh. So I'm laying there. And as far as the devil's concerned, I was dying. And I got to a place where my breathing was like a dog panting, very small. And my wife said, you, you need to go get checked. And she said it from the hallway. She wouldn't come near the door. She would sneak up, shut the door, and shut the food at the bottom of the door and holler, there's food out here, but give me 30 seconds to get the other side of the house. Because she didn't want to get it. I said, girl, she had to go preach the next morning because it was Saturday night. I said, if I'm not here when you get back, it's because my breathing is getting so bad, I'm going to take myself to the doctor. And so I go and I lay down on my side because I couldn't lay on my back. And I had this little vision of Jesus in Nazareth preaching his first sermon. And they took him and was going to throw him off of the hill. So the hill precipice, I've been there multiple, multiple times. And if you'd fall off that hill, it would kill you, let alone be thrown off. And all of a sudden, the crowd parted. He turned around, and he just walked through the crowd, and they parted. And he walked away. And after that moment of trying to kill him, he then went to Capernaum and made Capernaum his hometown. His ministry was set up then. But when he walked away, I didn't hear nothing, but I had this knowledge. I had a knowing that Jesus knew his calling. He knew his purpose, and he was willing to participate with his purpose. And because he knew his purpose, was willing to participate with it, his purpose empowered him to escape premature death. And when I knew that, I knew God was giving me a prescription for my healing. So I said, Lord, I've been kind of feeling sorry for myself. I feel so convicted. Please forgive me. I'm so busy all the time, I've just used it as an excuse not to be busy. So I get up, very weakly, pain, hardly breathing, make a list of everybody I know that had COVID in my church and family members, different people. And I got up, it's about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm walking back and forth in the, in the, in the living room. And as I'm walking back across, I say, I bind you, I break your power. You, you demonic spirit. God created man and breathed his breath in him. Now you're, you're a demonic assignment to want to steal the breath of God out of man's life. And so I started getting into warfare, and I didn't even think that for the whole time, almost two weeks, I'd laid passively 
and not resisted, but gave way to the Spirit. And I, I mean, I got mad. I don't know if you have rednecks over here, but in America we call it rednecks. I mean, you'll, just, you'll fight, you'll kick, you'll use the tool. You'll use, I was like, shut up, baby. Oh, I was mad. I was praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. I was binding, loosening. Finally, I ran out of juice. I ran out of energy. I said, Lord, if you want me to pray longer, you got to give me some more energy. It didn't happen, so I went and laid down on my side. It was 1.30 in the morning. 4.30 in the morning, I woke up on my back, scratching my back. There was no swelling. There was no pain. And I was breathing normal. And I'm laying there with my eyes closed. I'm going, Lord, tell me this is not a dream. So I just reached up and pinched my chubby little cheek. Oh, oh, it's not a dream. It's 4.30 in the morning. I get up, run across the house because I was staying in the back bedroom, kind of like, you know, quarantining myself. I went in up the door, grabbed my, my wife's foot, reached over the bed, and she waked up. She said, what, what? I said, I think I'm healed. I feel so much better. She said, well, then go get some sleep then. I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> so I did, because I've been trained. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> I went and laid down. When I woke up, she started going to church. And I woke up, and I sat up, I'm like, dude, I can breathe so deep. I feel so good. And there were times that 20 minutes, a three times a day sometimes, I would break into sweats severe sweating for 20 minutes, and I would soak my clothes or the bed. I said, man, that bed needs So I stripped every bed in the house, did three loads of laundry, did the dishes, vacuumed the house. I just had energy, man. Like, oh, yeah, oh, uh. My wife calls me on the way home from church. She said, you said did you wake me up and say that uh, you was feeling better or did I dream that? I said, well, let me ask you, was you mad that you thought I woke you up? Because if you're mad, it was dreaming, girl. I swear it was. I said, no, man, God has killed me. She said, well, you have an eight-word nothing. She said, I'm going Kentucky Fried Chicken. You want your two breasts and a, and a biscuit? I said, girl, I want the whole bucket. Give me the large bucket. I haven't ate for a long time. I believe in anointing with oil. So she brought that bucket, and I had chicken oil grease all over me. Be healed. And as I ate the bird, I received the word. She went on the other side of the kitchen. She said, you're eating so quick, it's like a draft. It's pulling me in. Oh, man. Ain't nothing like a preacher with a bucket of chicken. Come on, somebody. Whew. That sounds good tonight. There's one right by my house on the way home. <laughs> From the time of John the Baptist till now, the violent take the kingdom of God violently. Whatever's heaven's revelation will be earth's warfare against you. The devil comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. We need to not be passive with the devil. You always get the person, well, you don't have to be loud. Yes, I do, because I got a big mouth. That's just how I was made. Now, I've whispered before. I've pointed at devils, and they came out of people, just because the anointing was on me. There's times I just go. I've been asleep at night, and the devil coming over at the bed and breakfast. Witchcraft had been sent against me so much. And I rolled over and looked at and I didn't see it, but I could feel the presence of a devil. I'm like, seriously, I'm asleep, okay? And just rolled over and went back to sleep. Because it is written, behold, I give unto you power 
to tread over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. We need to rise up with the body of Christ and say, when I receive the Holy Ghost, I receive power. I got the power! Mm, that was like one-third of the crowd. Let's see if we can get some of you older, slower. I don't know if I like this or not. Come on, you used to be a disco king. Come on, baby. I'm going to count to three and I'll count to three as loud as you can. Look at it. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Just go with the party. The old nasty, rebellious thing. One, two, three. I got the power. Woo. Mm. The devil didn't know who the Son of God was. He knew in the garden that the seed of woman was going to come get him. So he, he, he thought, well, it's, it's probably, probably Abel. So he had Cain kill Abel. Now Cain's the only one left. His bloodline's messed up. So he kept trying to find some way. If you read the Bible looking for the seed that's going to bruise the head of Satan, it'll, it'll be a whole new Bible to you. So when Christ was born, the devil didn't know who it was. That's why he got in Herod and had him kill all the kids in that area up to two years old. Mm. And Moses' day, another deliverer came. He had him kill all the boys up to two years old. So it wasn't until Jesus lived his life, you don't see no activity of the devil, but when he came to the Jordan River with his cousin, John the Baptist, literally his cousin, and he baptizes him. The heavens open up, and God the Father says, I'm going to say he prayed in tongues, and this is the interpretation. He said, this is my son. And the devil goes, ah, he's been right around here all this time. But he didn't reveal him until he sealed him with the Holy Ghost. God only gives power to sons. So if your identity is an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, if that's your identity, stop that foolishness. Come on, I've been in ministry over 30 years. I know what I'm talking about. Let your identity be that you're a son. Now, he doesn't make you a son. He gives you the power to become a son. You've got to work this thing. And you're not a true son if you don't belong to a local body, you're an orphan. Ooh, man, I'm going to keep them hate letters and fan cards back. Jesus was a stepchild. Joseph wasn't his father. The Bible lists four of his brothers, calls him by name. It said he had sisters. It didn't say how many, but at least two because it's plural, sisters. So that means Jesus had brothers and sisters, same mama, different dad. I said, wow, you do understand me. <laughs> I come from a dysfunctional family. My goodness. Woo. Couldn't you imagine being the sibling of Jesus? Mary goes shopping. The boys are wrestling. They break something. They come home. Who broke the lamp? And that one of the brothers said, well, we know it wasn't Jesus. <laughs> Uh, 
Well, the mother be correcting one of them. Why can't you be more like Jesus? Like, oh, yeah, right, mama. Cool. <laughs> We've got to become the visible image of the invisible God. When that lady said, this guy's not like any preacher we've met. He's funny, he's happy, but every day he's happy. He doesn't have ups and downs. You can't let, see, until you get the money issue out of the way, you've never proven yourself and the power won't be turned up. He said, you'll serve money or you'll serve me. So when I teach people to tithe in my church, I teach them, just don't come up and act like you're throwing your electric bill in, your water bill in. You must come to God believing that he is God, that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So you must come with worship with it and say, Lord, that which could have been an idol, I prove to you it's not. And I lay it on the altar and show you that you're more important than me than money. I was telling the pastor one day, it wasn't until I quit preaching for money that money started coming to my ministry. My Lord! If you don't sow into my ministry tonight, it's okay. You're a resource, but you're not my source. I'm his favorite son. If God had a refrigerator, my picture would be on it. Do your neighbors see you happy? Do your coworkers see you happy? The joy of the Lord is your strength. If your mind is joyous because you haven't been in his presence. You can read the Bible all day long, but if you're not in his presence, not for groceries and not for money, but just I love you, I want to hang with you. There was a time when me and my wife first got married, my soul wasn't changed yet. I was saved. I've been translated out of darkness, but my soul hadn't been transformed to the image of Christ, to the washing, the watering, the word. And I was a cop, undercover narcotics, on a SWAT team, kicking down doors, grabbing people and slamming them. It was great stress relief. Not for them, but it was for me. But when I'd be in those bar fights and I'd be arresting people, that spirit of violence came on me, and I, I, I was angry and, and still had hurt in me where I'd been done wrong. Because as a child, I was sexually abused, verbally abused, and as I was starting to be a teenager, was beat with two-by-fours by a stepdad. So hurt people hurt people. And my wife said, when you would pull in the driveway, I would tell the kids, run, get in your bedroom, because we don't know what mood he's going to be in. It was so sad when she told me that I cried. I said, honey, I'm sorry, I didn't know. You know, because I justified my anger, like many of you do. Well, she didn't cook. She didn't do this. She spent too much money, did this. Wow. God had given me soil to sow into. And I was complaining, where's my love? You give it all to, your, to the kids. You give it all to your parents. And the Lord said, you've hated the field I've gave you to sow in. And you're complaining because there's no love when you haven't sowed any love to harvest. Come on, give God praise. Write that down. Now, when I pull in the driveway, I just got this strange feeling. She's like, my man, yeah. <laughs> Come on. 
I mean, my prophetic accuracy is 50%. I'm either right or I'm wrong. So I'm prophesying or prophesying. I don't know. I might be calling things that be not as though they are. But she hasn't changed the locks on the door. Hallelujah. But what kind of a marriage would it be if we never talked? You know when they call a prayer meeting, it's the least attended meeting in the body of Christ. So we need to change it from prayer meeting, and we need to say an invitation to talk to the king. Mm. Why don't why don't you, I could just hear Jesus now saying, why don't you want to talk to me? You have imagination for everything else. Why can't you close your eyes and just go by faith into his presence? Wow. Man, as a kid, I could do some crazy stuff. My mama took me to a library. And one year, she didn't have money for a birthday present. So as a little kid, she took me to a library. And she got me a library card, which was free. I didn't know that then. And she made a big deal of it and had the librarian wrap it up. And I opened it up. She said, you, for your birthday, I got you a library card. I'm like, whoa, yeah. And she said, pick these books out, read them, and become the main character. Let it become your identity and get dramatic. So I would stand up on the coffee table and read the books and become, I think it kind of stuck. Little did I know she was making me a wordsmith and she was preparing me to be an author. She was preparing me to speak. Because my sister, the devil would use her, say, you're nothing, you're nobody, you'll never be loved, you'll never have anything. So I quit school. And I didn't have a drug problem. I had a reality problem. And I used drugs as a vehicle to escape reality. And I even became suicidal because all I could hear was, you've been abused, you've been sexually abused, you've been all this stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, today, that is not my identity. I'm a born-again believer. All things are past are dead and gone. Woo! Mm-hmm, I got the power, yeah. Mm. The devil don't like it and I don't care. You better watch out, devil, if you're anywhere near. <laughs> I'm going to lay hands. I'm going to cast you out. Mm. I can already hear the religious people giving a pout. <laughs> but it don't matter. Listen to me. I've been washed by the blood. I got the victory. <laughs> Woo! Oh. I just went from limping to my swag. Woo, glory. I've been healed. <laughs> One of the most, you see, you don't want to pray in tongues because you don't understand it. Let me tell you what I don't understand. I don't understand how I could look at you. I've never met you before. And I'm so in love with you. It just kind of scares me because I don't know nothing about you, and you could so, so possibly hurt me. But I guess love can be spelled R-I-S-K, risk. One day I'm sitting on the floor, I got a brand-new grandson. This was years ago because he's older now. As a matter of fact, he just turned six. And the, his cousin was his, uh, like four years older than him. He's used to being the man. There's no one else. It was him and me. Now there's an intruder. Someone's taking Papa's time. He's jealous. So he's trying to climb on me and punch me, and, and I'm swatting him off. And, and I said, listen, listen, buddy. we got a baby here. we got to be gentle. He said, but, Papa, you used to be mine. I said, you know this little guy? 
can't grow without love? He said, really? I said, yeah, and I don't have enough love. Could I use some of your love? He goes, what do you mean, Pepple? I said, help me love him so your cousin can grow. And all of a sudden, he, he thought, I've got a part in this. And I gave him ownership. And he came and sat down, and he started like, like petting him like he's a doll. <laughs> Good boys. <laughs> now them two boys fight like dogs, I'm telling you. And as I'm just sitting there, got one under my armpit. I call them my armpit boys because now they're too big for that. But I'd hold him, and he'd be here. The Holy Spirit said, hey, Brian, could you be like that with my people? And I answered, you know, I heard it initially. I said, Jesus, my boys won't hurt me. I said, when will the, that little bit of fear of being done wrong and rejected? You put all this effort, you help people with money, you do all this stuff. He said, tell you what, Brian, come back and talk to me when they crucify you. I said, oh, so the answer is, it'll continue till I die. God so loved the world that he gave. If you're not giving, you're not loving. Every time I make a new covenant with the pastor, we'll have powerful services, then you never hear from him again. Because somebody religious in the church said, I don't believe that was God, because it's something they never saw before. And the devil them didn't like it, didn't want me to come back. And that rejection would try to hit me. And the Lord said, you sow seed, don't worry. I said, Lord, increase my anointing. I want more people to get healed. I don't like to see pain. I don't like to see people hurt. He said, Brian, if I increase your anointing, you'll be lonelier. I said, what do you mean? He said, you'll be, your demand for you will be greater, and you'll be in motels more by yourself. You'll be traveling more. And he said, and so I know I had to make a choice when he said that. Do I choose not being lonely and being home more, or do I choose being lonely and helping people more, I knew that I had to answer the right way, and that was, Lord, I'll, I'll take the loneliness if it means I'm going to help people. Then one night I'm sitting in my room and I'm playing the guitar. I'm a psalmist, and I was writing songs to the Lord and worshiping him. He said, hey, son. I said, yes, sir. And it just came so quick. I said, oh, wow, that was, that was quite, I really did hear that. It was inside. I'm like, I really did hear that. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So when the rejection spirit comes and tries to talk, tell him that. Come on, give God praise. Is the entire row your family? You're here by divine appointment. Your family are all called. It's kingdom people. Dude, I don't know why I like you. I just want to pick on you. He, he just got that look like he needs to be put in a headlock and beat. Like one of my grandkids, that's what we do. Then I'll be sitting, they'll jump and put me in a headlock and beat me. I bet he's fun, isn't he? It's going to be a business anointing on you. You're going to make a lot of money. But before you make a lot of money, God's going to get your heart. And you're going to have a real love for souls. And you're going to sow. You're going to help support traveling ministers and ministers that go abroad. And you're going to do it in such a way that you're going to say, I don't want them to know where it came from. 
There's anointing coming upon you. You're just going to get these witty inventions and ideas. Are you sisters? And I hear the Lord said, the money he makes, you're going to help him spend it. Oh, come on. <laughs> and the two girls said, that's the word of the Lord. You're at a, a, my prophetic ability, and I say this, I'm 50%. Every prophet, and I'm not a prophet, but every prophet and every person is only 50%. And, and I'll arm wrestle any of you in here if you don't think so. And here's why I say it. You're right or you're wrong. And that's 50%. What did you say? Every word needs to be judged because we know in part, we prophesy in part, the Bible says. So if we only prophesy in part, you can't be perfect. Now, the majority of mine have come, you know, because what I do is I'll say, does that mean anything to you? And then I'll look at the pastors in charge. I'll say, are you okay with that? See, you, you can't just say, well, I've got this calling. You've got to have a place, and you've got to honor their grace. You've got to submit to the authority over you. In my church, and I'm sure it's the same way here, don't ask for the mic if you can't receive correction. It's for the protection of you and the protection of the people. But I feel, and I, I put that out there, that I could be wrong. But I feel you're in a decision-making process. And you're just like, if I make the wrong choice, this would hurt this or do this. But I hear the Spirit of God saying, I direct the steps of the righteous. Don't be afraid. It'll look windy and stormy and it'll look like something in the natural. Don't make no sense. Does that mean anything? But God says, I'm going to hook you up. Come on, give the Lord a big God bless, will you? Are you all right with that word, sir? Are you all right with that word, sir? Is the head of the man? That's the mom of the house? Is his mother, are you okay with that? My, 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 my. There's a counselor anointing on you. People are going to be drawn to you just to bleed their hearts out and tell you their problems. And you got empathy and compassion upon you. Is that true? And you don't even like to see an animal hurt. She's looking at me. I'm scared of you, mister, right now. <laughs> Stranger danger strict. <laughs> Is that right, Mom? Dad? Hmm. Every time I look at you, I still see you laughing, spending his money. So if I get something, I'll get back. <laughs> Woo. Now, as an evangelist, I'm not just concerned with the first time salvation. I am because you must be born again. You can't go to heaven because your mama's a Christian. My mama was a Christian and I was a drug dealer. You must be born again. I don't care if you're three or four generations been in the church. You grew up in the church. You're born. They christened you. Christening you don't get you born again. Don't make your sins forgiven. They sprinkled you. You might have gone to another church and they, they, did, they said they baptized you. You can't baptize a baby. All you did was get the baby wet. It's a wet baby that's going to go to hell if they don't get born again. Come on, somebody. It's all right to laugh, man. I thought it was pretty funny, too. I'm serious. If water can save you, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. But it's the first step of obedience after the spirit part. I was in Pakistan, and I, it was a church of 400. I asked my interpreter, I asked the pastor how long he's been saved. So he asked him, and he's speaking Urdu. And then when he asked him how long he said, the guy, the guy started laughing at me. I said, why is the guy laughing? I could tell it was almost like a disrespectful laugh. I said, dude, why is, he, why is he laughing at me like that? So he asked him, he said, 
because it was a foolish question. I was born a Christian. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's a cultural Christian, just like Muslims are cultural Muslims. They've not had no encounter, but their mama was, their daddy was. They grew up in that culture. Three, four or five generations ago, Dutch and German missionaries went down to Pakistan and started churches. Now they've grown up in the church. When they're two or three years old, the, the zealous parent has the child pray the sinner's prayer. They're like, oh my gosh, my baby prayed the prayer born again. Mm -mm. You can have a parent do the same thing. If the Holy Ghost doesn't check their heart and make them born again, they have to understand. Jesus said, no one can come to the Father unless they go through me. And he said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. So not the earthly father praying the prayer with them or the mama. It's a good practice run. Go ahead and keep your practice runs going. But there has to come a time when they're old enough to understand and say, I have need of a Savior. Maybe you had them in the house and you've never sinned. Uh, do you drink whiskey? Do you smoke cigars? Well, I'm sure glad the answer is no because Dad's right here, okay? You go out and spend all your money on poker and gambling? See? You're like, what's she need saved from? Thank you for asking. She needs saved from the original sin of Adam and Eve. All mankind has fallen. You must be born again. It's a choice. It's not feeling. It's not by any works. That makes it an even playing ground. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom. That's why I'm like, cool, I can make it in this arena. And when my, the devil to my sister said, you're nothing, you're nobody, you'll never be lied to. Everything that I wouldn't have, I have. A beautiful wife, children, grandchildren, prosperity, homes, vehicles. I travel the world for, for the gospel's sake. And finally, my nothing became something because I surrendered my nothing to him. And he said, I'll do it in my time. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't agree with me, that's all right. I will not lose any sleep because you're wrong. Did I say that out loud? But now, I'm not only... I tried to put my hand on his head. <laughs> Sorry about that. It just looked like a hand rest. Now, I just want to mess him up tonight, man. Man, me and his wife in church, they had fun. Do you feel that? There was anointing, man. Shoot. What do you got, head wax on there? <laughs> you know I love you. I'm your, I'm your older brother. Oh, I promised my wife I'd behave after calling to tell her I didn't make it. <laughs> read the book, bro. If you got offended, read the book. <laughs> See, I won't do that to the house, man. <laughs> now, I've got Christians sitting here. You've actually been saved for 30 years, some 20, some 10. But you've been watching stuff on the Internet you know you shouldn't be watching. You've been cussing the wife. You've been kicking the dog. You've been doing some undermining of financial deals with people and got over on people and you know you shouldn't. You actually need to go back and say, this money belongs to you. Well, I found this, and I know it's yours, but I kept it. Zacchaeus said, if I've done anything wrong, I'll make it right. Even pay up to four times the amount. 
And Jesus said this, this day, salvation has come to your house. He invited them to dinner, but, but he wasn't talking about Jesus coming. He was saying this attitude of I know I've done wrong, so I'm going ahead and confess I need to make some things right. That's hard to do. When Jesus, what's even harder is when Jesus tells you to call somebody that did you wrong and tell them you're sorry, like with that guy. Because usually they'll say, well, like, oh, I was wondering when you're going to do this. You're like, Ooh. You really wanted to say, well, I'm wrong too, forgive me. But they almost never do. But that's character building. That's self-crucifixion. It'll kill you. But until you die, the Holy Ghost really doesn't have the room that he needs. You want to be super... Aren't you tired of reading about supernatural people and just being common? You're going to have to fast. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to set your side aside. You're going to have to quit demanding your way. I'm such a Mr. Fix-It and such a Mr. Drill Instructor because I was a Marine that one day God said, I want you to go on a fast. I said, Lord, I've done 40. I've done 321s and 7. What do you... How many days? He said, 30. And I, and I go, okay. <laughs> he said, no, not food. I said, well, what? He said, I want you to go 30 days without confronting anybody or saying anything to anybody. I was pastor then. I'm like, that's my identity. There were days I bit my lip and blood actually dripped. Ushers would come in with wrinkled shirts. I'm like, how dare you come in the house of God with a wrinkled shirt? Get in my office and use my ironing board and iron. You know, and I'm like, let it go, Brian. <laughs> Two weeks later, the things that used to bug me didn't bug me anymore. I'm like, that's really ridiculous. Eventually, my wife came on the 30th day. She shut the door. She goes, what in the world have you been doing? What did God tell you to do? Because it's been more peaceful in our home and in our church than it's ever been. I said, God put me on a fast. She goes, no, you've been eating because I cook for you. I said... <laughs> I said, not that kind of fast, a confrontation fast, having to point out what was wrong. Do you want to be right, or do you want to be happy? Do you have the relationship to correct those people? Are you in a place of leadership? If not, it's possibly what you're seeing is what he wants you to work in you. Because why would he reveal stuff to you when you're not in a place of authority? Can you see that ear on my elbow? Anybody see that ear? Oh, there's not one. That's right. God only puts the ears on the head. Why do you keep thinking you hear from God how the church should be run when you're not the head? If you got ears on your elbow or your backside, we're going to put you in a freak show along the highway. We're going to charge 50 rand for people to come look at your earball. Come on. I want to pray a prayer. That'll take every wrong thing from you you've ever done. If you're not born again, it'll make you born again. If you are born again, it'll like be making a fresh commitment to the Lord. First John 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Many of us have confessed, received forgiveness, and ran away and didn't spend the time in the presence of the Lord for cleansing. You've had days and months and even years of not going to church, and you've had, when the game goes in overtime, no one complains. 
So if you go into overtime, don't complain, but hook up to the main. Every person, if you're not born again, you need to give your heart. Now is the time of salvation, not later. Faith is now. Faith doesn't work yesterday. Faith is going to work tomorrow. It works now. Because when you get tomorrow, it won't be tomorrow. It'll be now. So you say, hey, Brian, I'm going to pray the most supernatural prayer that can be prayed. Because i got to get back in my place. Because if you're not in your purpose, you can't escape premature death, and the Satan comes to kill still and to destroy. I'm trying to give you the revelation of living longer and doing the kingdom to be built. We can't let the devil shove us down anymore. We've got the greatest source of power, the Holy Ghost. He's defeated. We're the policemen of the body of Christ to enforce the written word of God. And we need to get in our place and allow ministers to train us and equip us so that we can go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Amen? So if you want to pray this prayer with me, to have every wrong thing you've ever done taken from you, and to be right with the Lord, forgiven and cleansed. Because you've been thinking about the people you have unforgiveness when I talked about my book. You've been thinking about the people you've done wrong. Some have even done, you don't like yourself. Hey, Brian, I want to pray the prayer. Raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray with you. Raise your hand and keep it up high. Hold it up high. Don't take it down. Keep your hand up. If your hand's up, I want you to stand to your feet right now. If your hand is up, stand to your feet. Don't be afraid. All I need is a keyboard player, please. Thank you, sir, for being there. Thank you, man. Good to see you again. Enjoy joining your leisure. The minute the music starts, I want you to quickly come down and get as close to this altar as you can. You can take that out of the way if you would, sir. Three, two, one. <laughs> Bring it up. Come on. If you're standing, I need you down here. Jesus walked the Della Via Rosa to carry the cross. Fill in. Some of your praise team need to be down here. Come in, come into these steps here. Come on around. Don't get excited if I start to foam with the mouth and spit. I make my own holy water. Sorry, right, bro. That was meant to be funny. to my strength I'm happy because I'm not going to hell everybody put your hands up and hold them up surrender to the Lord Jesus
something I saw I need to be forgiven precious blood of the Lamb. Come take my sins, my pain, take my insanity, show me that you care, show me that you love, I believe in miracles. this prayer and believe we're talking to God right now and pray loud and just give it your heart and say dear heavenly father I come to you believing that you're a God and that you're a rewarder of those that diligently seek you I make a decision to forgive every person that's ever hurt me or done me wrong I even forgive myself. I let all the past go. I believe Jesus, you're the Son of God. And I believe you died for my sins. That you were raised from the dead. Be my Lord and Savior. Cleanse me from my hidden sin. I want to be free. Then baptize me with your Holy Spirit. This I ask of you. In Jesus' name. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord of my life. I make a fresh commitment to him. I make a fresh commitment to the church. I take authority over my life. I command depression to leave, insanity to leave, sickness to leave. Leave my body now in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus, I will be free today. In the name of Jesus, I break every assignment of witchcraft against you. I break the cap of depression right now in Jesus' name. Insanity, loose my brother in Christ. Take a deep breath and hold it. Let it go. One more time, bro. Go! I feel his spirit in this room. Oh, Lord, come now, I pray.
every hour I pray. Come, Lord, and let me know that you still love me. Let me feel you in my presence. Let me know that you're still there. I need the Holy Spirit to comfort me now, today. I need the darkness by your Spirit to be blown away today. I need Jesus, oh, my King. Sometimes I walk in darkness, I can't hear your voice. But here I stand, I'm going to make a choice. To praise your name by faith, I pray that you hear me. I'm going to give him a wave offering. I pray that you hear me. I pray that you feel me. I know you see me from heaven as you sit on your throne. And you're coming down here so that I won't be alone. Holy Spirit, come and set me free. In my misery, I pray today. No one can do it but you. Holy Spirit, now. I break every curse, every spell, every incantation of witchcraft against you. Every satanic assignment that's been loose against the church in Cape Town, I said it stops now. I break its power now. Angels of the Lord Jesus Christ, take those demons and drive them from here in the name of Jesus. I apply the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God is with me. Come now, Jesus. I'm calling on your name. I know I'll never be the same. you love them and you need them so open up your spirit and let them flow quit resisting him cause you know you really need him call upon his name say Jesus come on call say Jesus I need your spirit today there's no other way I need you Lord now more than ever before say soul purify my heart and wash my hands dry away my tears and help me stand I need Jesus Christ Emmanuel come Lord I pray and make all its well I am afraid I feel alone I call on your name come and touch me now Jesus Christ you're not an imaginary friend you're the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. Touch me down. Fill me with your spirit. Comfort me now. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Come and take away all of our sins. Take us and make us renew within. We need Jesus. If you believe that as you confess your sins, that he's forgiven you, if you can believe that, just put your hands together and give him praise and thank him. Can you do that? Come on, make it loud. Make a noise. 
Make a noise. Make a noise. Oh. Don't be afraid. As we get ready to go back to our seats, wow, I see this is going to be a crazy night. The reason it's crazy night is because they got crazy people here. I think if we did a DNA test, we'd be related, wouldn't we? <laughs> As you get ready to go back to your seats quietly, I want you to shake at least five people's hands. But just don't do it normal. I want you to shake your hand and say, yo, yo, I've been forgiven. Don't forget that yo, yo. pray for you. Yo, yo, I've been forgiven. You know you guys are going to write a song. Yo, yo, I've been forgiven. But like a yo, yo, I've been rescinding up and down and in and out. My soul has withdrawn. Yo, yo, I've been forgiven. <laughs>